Welcome to this Protect Our Past show where my co-host Matt Holden and I focus on opening your ears to the need to arrest the demolition of the iconic historic identity of what we love about Cape Cod. Meaning it's better to restore an historic house that has stood the test of time and avoid the eco-issues of waste and new builds. We are known as the loudspeakers of preservation and what better place to demonstrate this reality than on these wonderful station WOMR. And with me is our co-host, Matt Holden, who's going to introduce you to today to an extraordinarily Exceptional guest. Beyond your imagination, guest. Yes. Ellen, first of all, happy Halloween. And happy Halloween to the WOMR listening audience. We're delighted to be here in the OMR studios today with our guest, Adam Berry, author, co-star, and producer of the television series Kindred Spirits on the Travel Channel, Discovery Plus. I probably missed a couple other streaming outlets there. Uh, and Provincetown resident. So, Adam, welcome. Thank you for having me. Happy Halloween. I think I just saw a witch fly across the window. It's all <laughs> really? happening downtown. It's my favorite time of year. I'm obsessed. <sighs> Adam, according to your website, and for our WOMR listeners, you can read more about Adam on his website at www.adam-berry.com. Did I get that right? You did. I, unfortunately, the person that owns adamberry.com will not give it to me, so oh. there is a dash. Don't forget it. Yeah. So going back and having read your book, your interest in the paranormal started with an experience you had in Gettysburg. And yeah. when I was doing my initial research, I thought that had something to do with a haunted mirror in a Civil War era Farnsworth house. But actually, it started because it was your first entry onto one of the battlefields at night. Is that correct? That is correct. So uh, thank you for having me, first and foremost. Uh, I the, My first paranormal experience was when I was a child. But the first one that really uh, sort of pushed me off of the cliff of the unknown, right, uh, was in Gettysburg. And I was... I went to school at the Boston Conservatory and uh, I got a degree in musical theater, like everyone does who does that. It was amazing. And I went on tour. I was in Gettysburg uh, working with a theater company. I decided to go on a ghost tour and uh, I wandered off by myself. And it was like 1230 at night. And uh, I was instructed by the tour guide, like, I would not go by myself if I were you. And I said, thank you very much. I'm off. I'm going to go. Because at that point in my life, I was so interested in ghosts, but I hadn't really had an experience where I was convinced that they exist. And so I wandered off uh, onto the battlefield by myself, and there was this line of trees, and it was sort of this moment of, show me what you got. It was being cocky, but also being very, very intrigued and saying, you know, this might be the moment that happens for me, you know? And I waited a few minutes, and after a few minutes, there was... uh, what looked like uh, like a white anomaly uh, gliding through the trees. And it was very different than what you would think. It didn't look like a person, but it was shaped as a person. And the trees would block off the light that it was giving out. And it would just sort of show up and go away, show up and go away. And I, I, I start looking around like, is anyone else seeing this? And you know, nobody is seeing what I'm seeing. And at that moment, I'm alone. I'm standing there and I have two choices. I can leave or I can explore further. And like any good horror film, I walked right into the line of trees Mm -hmm. to confront what was possibly something very, very scary. And uh, once 
in this world. I could hear distant gunfire and um, I heard battle cries um, and I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. It seemed to be like permeating from my surroundings. And no, I wasn't drinking. No, I was not on any drugs. <laughs> no, uh, you know, uh, I, I was just having a visceral experience that I could not explain. And it was in that moment that I decided that I needed to figure out what this was. And so it took a, it took a long while for that to actually become a career. But without that moment, I would not be sitting here talking to you today. Mm-hmm. Wow, Ellen, we're going to have a lot of fun today. Oh aren't yeah, we? I want to know what you experienced as a child. Um, well, you know, since we are here talking about my book, Goodbye, Hello: Processing yes. Grief yes. and Understanding Death Through the Paranormal, that just came out. Um, you can get it wherever books are sold. Uh, Promise Town Bookstore, uh, bookshop, and pre-order the book on Amazon. You can, well, yeah, you 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 can get it on Amazon. You can get it anywhere. Um, Promise Town Bookshop has it. Um, but it's uh, when I was a child, uh, that my first paranormal experience was a ghost dog. And I know that sounds really strange uh, because people are like, well, dogs, ghost animals. And I, I woke up in the middle of the night and I could hear what sounded like a dog scratching on the bathroom door right outside of my room. And we had a hardwood floor, you know, and it was like scratch, 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 walk, walk, walk. And then you could hear the dog scratching and then walking into the room with its little nails on the hardwood floors and the jang- like the jingle of the, the dog collar. And it got to the foot of my bed where we had one of those box TVs that had the tube that you would press in to turn off the TV. And then mm-hmm. the TV would like glow a little bit because it had that, it was like an old TV, you know, a tube TV. And so as the sound got to the foot of the bed where the TV was, the TV would glow a little bit and it would just repeat, scratch, 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 walk, 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 glow. Scratch, 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 walk, 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 glow. And as a kid, I'm like trying to process, I'm like, is my my aunt here? No, Uh, because we didn't have a dog. Maybe my aunt was staying the night. I don't see a dog. Uh, The only way out of this room is in the path of the sound to go to my parents. So I'm kind of stuck in this space. Scratch, 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 walk, 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 walk. The TV would glow. And I pinched myself. I remember like holding onto my covers, like, am I asleep? But I'm not asleep. And it took, I don't know why I did this, but I, I, I just sat up in bed and I went, stop. And the sound completely went away. And my mother, like, this weird calm came over me and I I went back to sleep. And I remember telling my mother about that. And, you know, I'm from Alabama, grew up in Alabama. And she was like, well, I just didn't think this place was haunted until you came up (laughs) and started talking to me about this ghost dog. But it makes sense to me now. And they had had experiences. And so in the book, I go into detail about that experience, you know, my first experience with my um, with death, which was my grandfather's death, um, you know, uh, experiences that we had in the house. Like my parents were told the house was haunted before they moved in um, and they still moved in because they needed a, a different place to rent because they were having kids and uh, they seemed to be unfazed. So I blame them. I blame them <laughs> for moving into a haunted house. And here we are. Yeah. So, Adam, Ellen and I are about to wrap our second season here with Protector Past uh, on WOMR, and we've hosted a wide variety of and le- eclectic group of guests since we started back in January of 22. Um, one of the things we always talk about, right, Ellen, is houses tell a story, and the older the house, the bigger the story. And I think this is where the confluence with the work that you do and the work that Ellen and I do with POP um, we suspect there are dozens of houses here in P-Town 
within throwing distance of the OMR studios here on Commercial Street that are dying to tell our stories. And I'm dying to know what your experience is in around P-Town. Why is it such a hotbed of paranormal activity? Yeah, you know, Provincetown is haunted and not just by the winter residents. Let's get that perfectly clear, okay? We, um, the building we're in right now, I mean, WMR has a long history of being a schoolhouse, and um, my husband and I, we used to live right across the street. We rented the apartment right here above uh, this garage, and I think it's a condo now, but I remember staying there in 2009, and uh, at night, very late at night, this place is shut down, but it would look like somebody was walking around in the gallery downstairs or like a light would come on up here and I'd be like why is there a light on in the studio but it's literally like three or four in the morning you know um I was very young back then stayed up late um but I could I could tell that it seemed like there was activity in the space but there wasn't anything happening in was it sp- a flashlight or a no 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 it just like as if somebody turned on a light and then turned off the light or like oh or you could see in the early morning hours you could see like somebody looking like they were walking around in the gallery downstairs but no lights are on which is very strange like there's no cars parked out front you know to me it seemed very off it's it's one of those things you recognize when you look into a haunting. It's like something just doesn't sit well with you. I mean, it could have been someone at four in the morning, like working in the gallery, but odds, that seems odd and strange. So this building, for sure, uh, the UU Church, uh, we've investigated it many, many times. Um, the rumor is that it was a morgue during the flu pandemic uh, of the early 1900s. Um, we've been in the uh, basement area there talking to a grocer who passed away from the flu. His name was, uh, I think his name is John. Wait a minute. You just said you were talking with Oh, yeah. Him. We investigated. Right. Yeah. We would investigate. Um, there's many different ways that we investigate and communicate with those that have uh, that live in spirit form. Uh, but one way is we use a recorder and it, we collect electronic voice phenomenon. So it's EVP session. Um it's where you record your questions and you don't hear an answer at the time, but when you play it back, sometimes the answer comes through on the audio, right? Um, it's been known. So it's a different frequency. Right. Obviously, it's picking up a different frequency. Right. Those at home listening to this, listen in between the silence. If you hear something strange, it could be a ghost. <laughs> so I, we were down using our EVP, using the recorder, and he said his name was John. And so I went through the records of the, because I pulled the town records of those that died from the flu, the death certificates. And clearly, clearly enough, there was a John. He was the grocer, right? And then, incidentally, there were two uh, housewives. They were listed as housewives on their death certificate that died around the same time. And I said to John, I said, do you think you might have gotten these housewives sick? Because they probably went to the grocery store and all you hear is, oh, and then he says the F word, which is bizarre, but he said it and it was sounded so sad. And so I don't, you know, is that John? I don't know. But he seemed to connect to like what we were talking about. Uh, so the UU Church, Christopher's by the Bay, uh, the guest house. There's apparently a gentleman that stands on the outside of that. The Martin House, which is now privately owned. They say uh, one of the chefs haunts that location. Um, the Black Flash, everybody knows the Black Flash in the cemetery, no? Where they say you could go through the cemetery at night and you'll see a flash of something black, like dart in front of you. And you people are like, oh, it's a bunny, it's something else, but it's very fast and you can't explain it. I've seen it once on New Year's Eve. Uh, I actually slammed on my brakes because I was taking a shortcut through the cemetery because I was picking up food from Sarah and Sal's. 
And I slammed on the brakes because I thought something had ran in front of my car and it was this black flash just going by so fast. Um, but I think there's something about Provincetown. I mean, the energy here. Painters talk about the light, you know. Mm-hmm. The artists talk about the the energy of the community and the uh, what we get from each other as a community. That has to re- resonate with the spirit world. I mean, there's a spiritual thing that, that happens to people in this town that makes them never want to leave. I'm a victim of that. You know, I yeah. came here 20 years ago and I never left um, for a number of reasons. But I think there's something about being this crooked arm at the end of the world in the middle of the ocean that just attracts a lot of different really positive energy and really uh, you know, beautiful energy. So why wouldn't ghosts want to stick yeah. around? I think in your book you made reference to it as a vo- some kind of vortex. Well, uh, vortex. I, mean, I don't think I use vortex. Maybe, but that's that implies that we're getting sucked into something, right? right? It's more like it's more like uh, like the crooked fingernail of something that that like you know. Uh, ushers you in says come here come here come here right and it like it's like a siren call to a sailor you you get brought here by something you can't quite explain and it hooks you and it's hard to let go of it um and what's to say that ghosts and spirits don't feel that same way mm-hmm. now you're talking about p-town but what about the rest of the cape oh who cares i'm just ah! kidding <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding i'm kidding so um it, so we've lived here uh uh, you know, I've lived here for 20 years, and my husband and I, we were fortunate enough, we were able to buy a piece of property, but it's in Truro, so don't hate me, okay? It's in Truro. Um, we closed on June 12th, but I have a story because it's about preserving our town and preserving our past. I moved in, my first job when I moved to town in 2003 was at Esther's. Remember Esther's? It's now Local 186, uh, across from Bubla's. And uh, the gentleman who was the manager at the time that hired me for my first job in town owned the house that we just bought for 16 years. And he said, uh, and we go to uh, we go to in local all the time, right? Uh, we, when we closed on the house, we went to local for brunch to celebrate. Um, it's supposedly haunted by the ghost of Esther. Uh, they used to call it Esther. They've got a picture of Esther in there. They talk about Esther's ghost. And so I talk about that place all the time. And uh, when we closed, uh, the manager who I'd worked for, who lived in that house, wrote to me and said, I have, have something to tell you. And I was like, yeah. He was like, well, you know, the floors in the living room of this house that you now live in, uh, they're very old. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're right, because they look, they're wide pl- pine floors. They're giant. Po- and like this house was built in 1969. And he goes, I put those floors in when I lived there in the house. They were pulled from the attic of Esther's and put there. Wow. To preserve them. And now they're in the house that I own. And they're from the place that I worked 20 years ago. I mean, I think that is so So cool. I didn't even know. And I'm sitting there looking at these floors. I get full body chills. But it was about the preservation of these beautiful pine floors. And they were I don't know if they were going to throw them out or what they were going to do with them. But he decided to preserve them and put them in a house. Bravo. Bravo, that's exactly, right? that's and our mantra. I get to look at them and know about my past, right? Like where I started and now look at where I am and it's it's beautiful. All right, so mm-hmm. that raises the question. When you move, like I have flooring from another house. Uh-huh. Do the ghosts go with it when so you move the interior pieces? That has been heard. So when you talk about residual energy uh, of, of something, and the best way to describe that is if you walk into a room and two people have been arguing, but you did not know they were arguing, when you walk into that room, you feel that tension. 
you're like, something is off, right? That energy to me, and in theory, like everything we talk about in paranormal is theory. It's all theory. The theory is that energy has to go somewhere. And I, I believe, and a lot of people believe, that that energy goes into the walls of the spaces that you're in. So if there are happy times, if there are sad times, if there are destructive times, if there are times of, unfortunately, violence, it is permeated into something. And so, for instance... Um, I investigate the Proctor house near Salem. That is not John Proctor's actual house. I mean, this house was built in the early 1700s or mid 1700s and the witch trials happened in the late 1600s, but that house is built from material from the original 1690 house. And so when you investigate that place, you get vibes of the Salem witch trial. You get people answering to, answering to you about the witch trials and things like that. I don't know what that means, but it seems like it has traveled. It, it It's moved from one place to another. Um, so not only is it important to preserve the buildings that we live, live in and the history, but to preserve the spiritual nature of the environment that has been created for... Mm -hmm hundreds of years it's like look at the if you've got a house with a plaque on it that's been floated over stand in that original section for a minute and just imagine what it was like for them out in Helltown on the, on the point mm -hmm. feel that energy it's there it's, it's yeah. it you can't escape it wow that now we are about to well we've just premiered our film life rings and it's about the life rings of the wood these historic houses are built at so um, we're going to have to talk more about that with <laughs> yes, you, for, for sure. sure. For sure. So, Adam, I have a uh, question for you. In the book, you, you talk about, you know, your frequent interactions with spirits and ghosts. And one of the things that stood out for me is is you being empathetic with these spirits so you can understand why they're there. Um, I think you'd mentioned that spirits are hanging around for a reason, mm -hmm. right? And you obviously do your homework because you need that provenance to understand why they are there and to oftentimes help homeowners manage. So what advice could you give to homeowners that maybe have some kind of paranormal activity and 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 help them understand what's the best way to coexist? Yeah, great question. Um, well, you know, specifically, the first thing would be not to jump to conclusions, right? Like if you if you think you're having unexplained activity in your house, make sure that you logically go through what can be explained, right? If lights are flickering or going on and off, call in an electrician. You know, if you're hearing things in the attic, make sure there isn't raccoons and, and, and squirrels in your attic. Like do your due diligence to figure out what logically you can explain. For instance, high electromagnetic field or EMF, can be an old wiring in old homes, especially in Provincetown. This can cause people, especially if it's very high or near your the head where you're sleeping at night or um, in a certain room or space, uh, it can cause people to hallucinate. It can make you feel sick to your stomach. Mm -hmm. You can make, it makes you feel like you're being watched, uneasy. All of these things people say, you know, when the, my house is haunted, I feel all of these things. Um, but make sure that's not the cause, right? Because you could be very sensitive to that kind of thing. Once you've done your due diligence and you know that none of the none of this activity is natural, you can't explain it. It's called supernatural, paranormal, not normal. The next thing you can do is literally have a conversation. <laughs> I mean, it sounds crazy, but sit down in the middle of your house in your, your living room and say, OK, if you are here and if you are doing the following things, 
we need to set some boundaries if that's your goal, right? It's like, you could be here, but I don't want you traipsing around at night. I don't want you scaring my children. I don't want you doing these kind of things. It's having a human conversation to someone who was once living. Just because they've passed away doesn't mean they have, they don't, just because they've passed away doesn't mean they lose the uh, human nature of mm -hmm. what we have, right? They want the sort of the same things we find. Communication, conversation, love, respect, uh, understanding. And so give them that, but with boundaries. You know, mm -hmm. I've had homeowners go in and, and, and say, listen, you're not allowed to be here when I'm here. You can be here, but I don't want to know you're here. And when I'm gone, and then the activity sort of dissipates and stops. Right. And that's a big chasm to cross for a lot of first-time homeowners that don't know how to process or where to begin. But I, I think what you're saying is you take that step. And in the book you mentioned is that you have to, you know, communicate that you're as homeowner putting boundaries in place. Of course. I mean, just like you wouldn't let, you know, the next door neighbor just traipse in to say hello. You're not going to, you don't really want a ghost to do that. Although they, they don't need a door. Um, <laughs> so it, it's, it's setting boundaries and not jumping to conclusions and not, and knowing that if, if your house is quote unquote haunted, um, I mean, it haunted is a scary word, but was, don't, yeah. don't freak out. I was just out. thinking haunted is not a good word to use. It's, I mean, what would, how would you replace that? What word I would mean, you use to replace that? Your house is broken in. You know, it's well, it's broken in like it's been around for a long time right. or or not. You know, maybe the land is broken in because people build new houses all the time and start getting activity. Um, so it's but it's the land itself that meant something that was owned by somebody else. And now you've put something on a piece of land that they don't recognize. And they're like, wait a minute, this used to be my territory. What are you doing? Um, I, I think uh, it, it's it's better to look at ghosts as you and I, as once living people, as mothers, as daughters, as sons, as as fathers, then to say it is a spooky, unexplainable thing that I, I'm scared of. Because Hollywood will make you think, and like you watch our show, Kindred Spirits, it is scary, right? Because we are dealing with things that don't make any sense. But on the show, there's spooky music, like we're giving, they're giving you an environment because it is entertainment in a way to people. Um, but we try our best to find out who the spirit is, what they want, and why they're here, and mitigate that problem. All right, so you brought up something that leads to my next question, and that is, are there ghosts or kindred spirits in new houses? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends. So you see it less often, but sometimes people are like, I don't know why my house is haunted. It was built in 2009, or like, uh, you know, it was built three years ago. I, I We're having activity. It could be the land, like I said, but it also could be somebody that's with you. It doesn't necessarily need to be the home or the land. It could be a loved one that's with you, that's watching over you. Um, it could be, you know, someone who, a friend of yours. I mean, people don't realize that, um, you know, all the cases that we do, like, yes, we have, you know, spirits of those that resided in a house or a, a location many years before them. But then we also have spirits that are very familiar but they don't think it's a familiar spirit because of the activity, like they're knocking or I get touched. My grandmother would never do that. It's like, well, why not? She wants to get your attention. You're making her cookies in the wrong way. And she <laughs> wants you to fix the recipe. It's like, it's, it's, it's things like that. So yeah, it, 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 can, it can happen. Well, it's interesting you say that because I think the public perceives a house as being haunted as a result of some sort of tragedy that occurred in the Earliest, 
early 20th century, for example, the sudden and tragic death of a, of a child, for example. But that's not always the case. You can certainly have a, a, a benevolent presence, if you will, and it didn't necessarily have anything to do with a tragedy or murder or a crime. True. No, absolutely. I mean, um, the the most... A lot of the hauntings that we do that you will see on television are intense, and they're usually from a a crime or a tragedy. And the reason why is because that kind of energy that's left over and what they went through in their end, you know, in the ending of their life um, is traumatic, right? And so their activity is heightened. And maybe they need something or want something so bad that they do what we call overshooting the basket. So instead of just poking you to get your attention, you get scratched. Or you get punched. And we call it just a bit a bit aggressive. And it's not like they mean to, right? But I think in those cases, yes, uh, the tragedy is there and it, it's heightened. But in a normal, I would say, I don't want to say pedestrian haunt because <laughs> um, it's scary. But like in a normal and a subdued haunt, mm-hmm. um, it can just be someone who is, you know, maybe they built the house and it was their American dream and they immigrated and now they're just looking over it. And they hope that you are treating it the same way uh, that they would treat it. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it's someone who, uh, like, maybe you don't know that in New England, it's it may, maybe there's a family buried on your property and you don't know it because in New, you could, you know, they can't do it anymore, but... Um, and there's no headstones or tombstones, and maybe they're just kind of there because they're like, oh, no, no, we're buried here. So we're just going to hang around. But it's not necessarily violent or scary or aggressive. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just lived in, you know? Yeah. Well, well you mentioned Alan. Truro, but we yeah. have the whole rest of the case. So, so. Yeah, yeah, let's go through it. So Truro, uh, Highland House. Uh, I've investigated the Highland House Museum. We've had great activity there. It used to be a, a like a hotel stopover. Um uh, Wellfleet, uh, the uh, uh, Winslow's Tavern, I think, has had some stories. Um, the, uh, oh gosh, what's that other restaurant near Piping Plover? The one that's right behind Piping Plover right now uh, uh, has had activity. I can't think of the name of it. Everyone in Wellfleet's screaming the name right now. Yeah, Fox and Crow, I think, is maybe that, uh, has uh, activity. Um, and then East Ham. Uh, East Ham, you know, it's East Ham. It's scary. It's, East Ham is scary. Let's just be honest. It has four lanes of traffic and people drive really <laughs> fast. It's just scary. Um, Orleans, Orleans Inn, very haunted. Uh, where uh, We actually investigated that this past weekend uh, for my uh, event that I did. Uh, Orleans Inn, scary. Uh, the Crocker Tavern House, my friends own that in Barnstable. Mm-hmm. Yep, the book matches that. Yeah, yep. I, How about Chatham? Ellen's house is haunted, right? Chatham. Oh, Chatham is very scary. <laughs> Chatham's very scary. I mean, here's the thing. Cape Cod is very old, right? And when you when you go with old things and old traditions and old ideas, what's to say that, uh, you know, they won't pop up in the future? So we have just two minutes left, and we oh, have gosh. more to talk about. So let's go to part two. We'll wind this up, and then if you wouldn't mind staying, we, need, we have some more questions for you. I'm absolutely ready. All right, because it's such a fascinating topic. Ellen, let's wrap it up. Uh, first of all, happy Halloween to our OMR listeners. Happy Halloween to you, Ellen, and to you, Adam. Thank you. Uh, we're going to close uh, today's segment with a quote by John Sawhill. A society will be defined not only, by, not only for what it has created, but for also what it refused to destroy. Think about it. Until next time, folks. Thank you.